Hey everybody, I want to talk about a product and platform that I absolutely love and our latest sponsor, Interseller, the prospecting and outreach platform of choice for recruiters and sellers. Whether you're doubling down on business development or recruiting talent, Interseller does all the heavy lifting of finding contact data, automating the email and follow-up process, and syncs all that rich data into 20-plus CRM and ATS platforms. Reach out now and get going on a two-week free trial and let them know you heard about it from Adam on the podcast today. Check out the link on the website. Appreciate it. Welcome to the podcast, where we introduce you to incredible humans who share their journeys with the mission to inspire you to harness your own inner tenacity to drive your life and career forward. And now, your host, Adam Posner. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast where I bring you the best and the brightest in the world of business, marketing, and entrepreneurship to help you harness your inner tenacity and drive your career forward. My guest today on the podcast is Chris Maroff. Chris is a CEO, founder, author, and serial entrepreneur with a passion for helping business professionals find fulfillment in their work through sustainable success. And we will certainly unpack that. And Chris started a business with his family just at the age of 22. Trying to see if there's any succession comparisons here. Well, I don't know if you watch that show. We're into it now. And and followed the true entrepreneur's arc of working every job within that company as they grew. And he worked in the family biz for 15 years before setting out on his own to Austin, Texas in 2011 to start fresh. Chris worked on MSB Consulting to provide Medicaid consulting services to school districts up until February of this past year we, where he exited the business. Now Chris focuses on his DCX community to help people become leaders, build teams that promote fulfillment in one's work. He's also an active investor dating back to 2019 and spends his time between Austin and Maine, where he is now, where he runs his own farm, which I'm certainly curious about. Believe it or not, Chris has a ton going on outside of that intro, and I'm looking forward to unpacking it. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks for having me. I, I appreciate it. We, we were chatting beforehand. This is we, we tried three times to get this. He had technical yeah. issues. We tried to record on Monday. Um, my office here, they were doing some construction and the, they're like, hey, the Internet might be in and out today. I'm like, I can't record my, my show. But uh, I was like that. So third time's a charm. I'm excited to do this. So, Chris, let's do it. Um, I want to start off with, with the family business. We're going to talk about that a yeah. little bit, which I understand was was tell me if I'm right here, paired schools with federal funding to provide aid and special services to children with disabilities. How, how does that come about? I'm always interested in how these yeah. needs come. Yeah, uh, so my parents, uh, both uh, long careers in, in industries. My dad uh, worked in the tech field uh, for a company called Digital Equipment Corporation, which back in the 80s was like a competitor to IBM. And I think we all know who won that mm. uh, battle, but he worked for them uh, for 20 years. And then my mom, uh, educator, um, uh, teacher, uh, administrator. Um, and so it's actually through, uh, and, the, and they, by the way, wanted, and for years we're looking for a business to do together. Hmm. Um, after, you know, finding success, but not really finding fulfillment, um, at work. And so, um, they finally, uh, my mom got introduced to a couple, um, who were doing this consulting business, um, in the area of special education. And so my mom immediately kind of put two and two together and was like, well, hey, listen, this couple, uh, the, the wife was in tech, uh, the husband in education was like, hey, that's kind of like the mirror image of, of right. us. And so, inspired. Um, yeah, teach me how to do it. And so in a neighboring state, uh, which is the state of Maine, uh, they launched uh, that business back in 96. So, yeah, that's how we got into it. 
It's always interesting to hear how their stories unpack. My, both my parents, New York City Board of Ed uh, teachers, but they stayed down that path and they went through it uh, for 30 years, now happily retired. So I heard the story, and correct me if I'm wrong, where your mom handed you a four-inch thick Medicaid handbook and said, have at it. What, what was that like when she threw that behemoth at you? Well, uh, so the backstory to that is um, uh, I did not, uh, I went to college for maybe a year. And so I'm like, I just don't feel like I'm a traditional learner, um, which was code for, I feel like I'm an idiot. Uh, I don't feel like I'm a, I'm a classroom kid, um, struggled all through school to, to figure out how to get by so I could play my sports and be in the activities. But I, I didn't really get along with school very well. And so, so when I went to work for my parents, she hands me this four inch binder and all my nightmares are coming true. No, around, don't. <laughs> yeah. What am I, ha- what do I have to do? Like I have to learn all these and it's oh, like no. boring regulation stuff. And so I just remember thinking at that moment, I'm like, is this like, am I going to really do this? Um, I've got handed this opportunity for my parents. Uh, I had been selling cars uh, previous to that. Um, and so did, I'm you like, enjoy that? Did, did, did you enjoy selling cars? I, car I did. I, I know. I mean, I, I enjoy cars, but I, I, I enjoyed the money I could make, but I didn't necessarily love the the process. I felt a right. little gross about that. Um, and so they offered me to, to join them in this journey. Um, and so I thought I was going to be kind of like the sales guy and get out there and, you know, do some the, training. The front maybe. of the organization, the yeah. front base, yeah. And so when they handed me the notebook, when my mom, I'm like, oh my gosh. And so it took me about six months to really come to grips with like, what are my opportunities? I already had little kids at home at that point. And so I'm like, who am I going to be to these kids? And like, I've got this opportunity. I, I need to, I need to step, you know, I need to step up and, and take the bull by the horns here. And so, yeah, that was kind of what led to me kind of diving in to learn all these regulations, both from a, uh, uh, health and human services side and, a, and an education side, which is uh, as boring as it sounds. So let's 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 pause there and kind of think about that for a moment here. Looking back on that on that time in your life, like what what advice would you give someone else in that position now, knowing knowing yeah. knowing what you know now? Well, like, I think John Max John Maxwell says it really well. He's like um, he has a story where um, uh, he's got this kid uh, who walks up to him after one of the conferences that he spoke at, and he says, "Man, I want to do what you do." And John Maxwell smiles and looks at him. He says, I, I get it, but are you willing to do what I did? And so I think that's really the, to get here. It's like the grind. We all have this maybe mindset of what we want in life, but are we really will, willing to go through the, the hard work, the grind to get there? Let's, 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 let's pause on that and, and kind of go deep. Cause I think that's, that's a really interesting point right now in this day of social media where people are only seeing either the end result of that hard work, right? Like you see that graphic, like the tip of the iceberg, but you don't see what's under the waterline or you're seeing these fake optics, right? People with their, with their fancy watches standing in front of their, the private jets and everything. It takes work, right? And you can look at any athlete, you can look at any top performer out there. This isn't, it's, it's this crazy society of thinking of instant success. And I mean, I blame social media. I truly do. I, I think that it's a false narrative. It's these kids that think that they could just go on and, create this image and be insanely rich and it sucks i mean what's your hot take on it that's right yeah it's a it's a it's a really uh, a pandemic of of uh, uh kind of uh, i think people live out of a uh, missed expectation like they have an expectation of success based on what they see in social media and so they're they're already starting from behind they're already like wow i'm, I'm not ma- i'm not a millionaire mm. yet and i see all these other people and i think millennials really struggled uh with that um for a long time feeling like they've already missed a boat 
they're like 32 and they're like, yeah, man, I, I'm a failure already. Um, because, and I think it's because of social media. I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, I mean, look at your podcast and you're like, okay, we were, we were talking before and you're like, I'm almost at 300. I, I we do a podcast, uh, and I'm telling you, they are hard work. Um, it's a grind. And so grind is know, a word. Yeah. It's so it's, uh, people see, they'll see this and they'll be like, oh, that's not, that looks fun. You know, you're just interviewing people. They, they will have no idea until they get in there and have to figure out the work that it takes. And so I just think generationally, um, it's not on us. Maybe I'm a gen, uh, gen X. Uh, it's not on me to criticize millennial and gen Z. It's, it's on me to look, encourage them and to teach them, uh, and to bring them along. Are we the, are we the old men in the room now? Are we our parents? <laughs> Do you ever like, uh, may, how, how old are you, Chris? May I ask? I am 49. I turned 50 in one month. I'm I'm 44, so I'm a couple steps behind you. Um, yeah. Have you had these? Mo- I had these moments recently because I was looking at some pictures of family pictures from when my dad was almost my age, and I I don't know. I feel younger and different. Like, are we? Is that just usually what happens with generations? Like, I don't feel 44. Like, I, I no. what, what is it? Yeah, I like, know. Like, you <clears> can pick your like parents at 44. Like, yeah. What? Well, my my we were just talking about this. My dad was 47 um, when I started. Uh, working for them, so he's younger. But mm-hmm. I, at 22, I looked at him as an you know, this old man. You know, I'm like, <laughs> I can't believe I'm older than he was at that time. It's crazy. Oh, it's it's crazy. So let's let's fast forward a little bit. Um, what was that decision process to leave the family business? Was it was it was it yeah. was it a conversation with was it over a long period of time, or was it did something happen? And what was that conversation? What was that conversation like? It had to be hard. Yeah, it was really, really hard. And it was hard for maybe, maybe different reasons than, than you might be thinking. So here I am, I put in this hard work and I've invested every ounce of who I am into this business. Um, again, thinking it's my only opportunity in life. Um, and no education. And so I'm like, I gotta, I gotta dig in and make this work. So I kind of was a little blindsided, even though we had for the past year, uh, been, been uh, really arguing a lot. My parents now were older and thinking about retirement, playing it safe. I'm like in my mid thirties wanting to go for it. And so we just had a lot of conflict uh, for the year leading up to it, but I just figured, Hey, they're my parents, it's family, you know, I'm going to be here forever. And then, uh, I'm down in Arizona. We, by that point we had been, I've been doing consulting and working, uh, 15 other States, uh, all over the U S. And so I was down in Arizona. I get a call from my dad and he's like, Hey, when you get back, I'd like to grab some breakfast with you in the morning. And so knowing growing up with my dad, he, he's never asked me to breakfast in the morning, especially mm-hmm. one-on-one. So I'm like, okay, there's gotta Something's be something up. going on. Yeah. When I get back, we meet, he's like, Hey, what if we, and we had just started in Texas. Uh, we had maybe like five contracts. He's like, Hey, what if we sold you you know, these five contracts, and then you were able to launch out on your own. And so I'm like, okay, this is out of nowhere, but what a great opportunity. Again, I'm in a, this is exciting. And I get to now, instead of critiquing and criticizing the organization they had built, I get build to do own. this, build my own. Well, I got uh, home and uh, started talking to my wife and, uh, you know, she wasn't super excited. You know, we've raised our kids in New England and, and we've got Four at home, we're like, roots are like going to rip yeah. them out of everything that they're used to, yeah, and move down there. So I arranged because I am sales. I arranged this wonderful trip in March when the weather in Texas is absolutely gorgeous. Look at to this. bring my wife down to like convince her this is a great move. And while we're down there, I it hit me out of nowhere. This is again how how uh, oblivious I was um, that I'm getting kicked out of my family business. 
Like this is just a very nice, kind way. Sounds like succession. Sounds like a nice version of succession. This right isn't here. working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's when I'm like, okay, uh, you know, Some Kendall uh, this is real. Action. Yeah, and I gotta, I gotta figure this out. And so that's kind of how that came about. <sighs> All right. So now you're you're out and you're you're transitioning to to MSB, right? That's uh, MSB. That's right. It. And what does yeah. MSB stand for? So a uh, long story short, it started as main state billing. Then it went to multi-state billing. And then I would tease all the school districts in Texas. I said, it stands for educational excellence. And they're like, that doesn't work with the letters. And I'm no, like, I know, just, forget the letters. Keep, uh, keep it simple. I, yeah. I think it's war dogs or one of those movies where they're like, IBM doesn't stand for anything. He's like, yes, it does. It, it's, it's, he it's, fires him on the spot. That's, uh, that's, but that's anyway, kind of funny. Yeah, it's kind of this idea that MSB really stood for this uh, uh, kind of legacy company that I had bought. Um, but yeah, it was uh, really about Medicaid billing. So so you're going out on your own, but what was something that you wanted to do different than your parents' business? Something that you wanted, so, like you saw them doing something. Maybe you weren't yeah. vocal about it, Chris. And like, I don't know, like it's kind of working. But you know what? If I ever do this thing on my yeah. own, this is what I would do differently. Yep. So the, the biggest one for me was growing up in my house. My parents were amazing parents. They... They, they, they taught me I had value, intrinsic value, and it didn't matter what grades I got, what instrument I played, what sports I played. Like, I mattered. In fact, it was so uh, helpful to me that, you know, even as a chubby uh, middle school kid, like, when kids would pick on me, I just never felt bullied. Uh, my parents just gave me such incredible, mm, uh, uh, you know, confidence in just me as a person. But when I went to work for them, Mm. Um, all of a sudden I got exposed to like this command and control style leadership that was really about, you know, uh, my value was then determined based on my production or my success. And, and every day I might, I might show up and they'd be super happy with me because I got a sale and the next day, you know, one got away and then they're disappointed in me. And it really rocked me, um, uh, because of the, the real dichotomy between my childhood and then, and the work experience. So when I launched in Texas, I'm like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to remove a lot of the subjectivity around my employees' understanding of their own success. I'm going to remove that and make sure they feel valued for who they are and and not just what they do. I lo- I absolutely love that. And what was one of those first um, major roadblocks that you had when you launched your own business? Maybe maybe it was a misconception. Maybe you came out of the yeah. gate, you know, strong. You maybe you over or undercompensated on something. Well, the biggest one. Um, is in this process of trying to create an organization that was really value-based. Um, I, I made a company that was completely um, customer-centric. And I know that doesn't sound like a mistake to make, but I'm telling you, it it really set me up for future failure. So for the first four years, being very customer-centric, um, I had, we found great success. Uh, I won't lie. We, we blew up. We went from three employees to 70 employees. I went from, uh, you know, bringing in $150,000 to uh, about $12 million a year. That's awesome. And, um, and you know, was like, man, I, this, I, I knew it. Like, I proved it. I, I've, I've proven that this system works when I, when I really try to become uh, really customer-centric. Um, but what, uh, what was uh, missing was uh, the fact that me as a leader, it moved me into this corner um, where I just constantly felt paranoid and I felt uh, constantly betrayed by everyone uh, when they would leave or when uh, things wouldn't go well. It's like I let them find maybe some fulfillment, but as a leader, I was completely unfulfilled. Uh, I realized for the first time in my life, I was completely emotionally alone. 
Um, and so that was devastating to find the success that I'd been like striving for only to fe- like feel like I, I don't want any of it. This isn't worth it. I want to talk about that a little bit, emotionally alone. And I think that's a very interesting piece that we don't really talk about for first time leaders. Um, I certainly felt that at times. I I feel like I feel that now at times emotionally alone, especially as a solopreneur, when you're you're bent, you don't have the benchmarks, you don't have someone to bounce it off of. And you're so focused on ensuring that everyone else is happy around you except yourself. You got it. And And you're taught. I was taught. Like you're, you got to be a strong, confident leader and it's your job to take care of everyone. Like, that's what I was just taught. It's like, I'm a dad with my business. I'm a dad at home. It's like, what, what about, what about me? Right. Like, is it, when is it okay? When is it okay not to be okay? And, and, and I mean, we could talk about that for, for a long time and that comes with, and, and it's also hard to separate business success and failure from personal success and failure. That's right. And understanding the concept of cash flow and money and not letting ups and downs of money affect your day-to-day life. Yeah. It's hard going through that Very now, man. It's, 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 a, it's a tough one. Hey there, fellow podcast listeners. I'm Kevin Logan Jr., host of the Immutable Mindset Podcast. If you're fascinated by Web3, blockchain, and disruptive technology, then you won't want to miss a show. Join me and co-host Adam Posner as we introduce you to an incredible lineup of successful entrepreneurs, builders, and industry veterans who share their insider knowledge, unique perspectives, and personal stories that will leave you inspired and crave you more. Like Mike Isogawa, the CEO of Webacy, who shares her journey from being a Cirque du Soleil performer to a cybersecurity pioneer. Or Dave Schwed, COO of Halborn, who discusses the future of digital asset security and how the future of assets will be tokenized. We also break down complex topics into digestible bits, perfect for both experts and newcomers to the world of Web3. So if you're ready to stay ahead of the curve, subscribe to the Immutable Mindset Podcast now, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. I also want to talk about something personal that happened, which is business, right? Like your business partner and best friend without without notice, right after the company Christmas party resigned. I'd, I'd love if you could That's share right. that story. Yeah, it was one of those moments where we had our company Christmas party. I'm sitting there. This is again after year four. We had hit every benchmark I could have possibly set for myself, and um, and we're and we're reflecting on it that night. Um, and we're like, man, I'm just so thrilled of where we are. Mm-hmm. And then the very next morning, I get his two week notice, and this is right before Christmas. And and so we it really wasn't two weeks. I we literally were shut down for a couple of weeks over Christmas, and, and we were traveling back north. Uh, to New Hampshire. And I'm just, I'm just devastated. I'm like, what happened? And I knew that he had been now looking for the last nine months and didn't right, tell and that me. pisses you off. It, it, I got so angry. Uh, but how would you have handled uh, it differently if you knew though? What if, what if he, what if he came to you and said, this isn't working out for X, Y, and Z reasons. I want to stay and keep the business moving, but I'm going to be honest. I'm going to start looking. Yeah. That's where I think the reality of like who I was being very customer centric versus being employee centric. I don't know that he had a choice mm. because I would have done anything I needed to, to make sure my customers were taken care of. Um, and, and what I wasn't in the position at that moment was thinking I'll do anything to make sure my, I'll take care of my employees. Um, and it, again, it's not that I was a terrible boss or leader. I just wasn't a vulnerable boss or leader. Th- there was no, can could be no real relationship beyond what we do because I just wasn't willing to open up. And so I would, I had been meeting with a, a, a guy uh, in my community every week um, to really try to figure out like, how am I going to show up and be more empathetic? And 
I just wasn't raised that way. So it, it just didn't even dawn on me that, that somebody would need empathy. I'm a fixer well, by nature. So yeah. it's not even so, but I wanted to, I wanted to learn it uh, for my wife's sake, for my kid's sake, for my employee's sake. Um, but I remember right after uh, Jason, uh, my best friend left, met with this guy and he's like, Hey, um, who would you share your deepest hurts and fears with? Now, I immediately lied. And I'm like, oh, I got my wife. I've got good friends. I would share that with anybody. But I knew inside there is no way that I'm going to be able to share with people what I'm what I'm afraid of or what, you know, I'm what hurts me or what what pain I'm feeling. Uh, that is not on the cards for me. Um, you suck it up. You man up. You, you move on. Yeah, you figure it out. Like figure you shit out. Yep, you don't put this on another human being. That's not what a strong, confident leader does. Um, and so, that was my yeah my my moment of of uh, ultimate low. I think. And we're gonna get to this because that's how I wrap up my show at the end. But I want I want to bring it I want to bring it up now. Like w- when you're at your lowest, right? When you're at that rock bottom, and and I've been there multiple times. And there's no stronger foundation to build on than rock bottom than rock yeah. foundation. That's right. So at the, at that moment, what was that epiphany to pull yourself up, Chris? So I'm driving home uh, after he asked me the question, and again, I convert all emotion, every single one, to anger. So I'm just in my car. <laughs> Jeez, and I, I feel am, you, man. I feel yeah. you on that one. Uh, it is my rage. safe space. It gives me a, a false sense of control. So I'm in my car, and I am so ticked. I'm ticked at the traffic, and then I'm then I'm pissed off with the guy for asking me the question. Then I'm really pissed off with Jason for leaving. I'm angry at my family uh, for not loving me. Well, then, it, and then of course it lands always on me—the guilt mm-hmm. and the shame of like, well, dude, it's because you are not a vulnerable person. You never let anyone know what's really going on inside, and so it dawned on me that I was living in a prison of my own making, um, and it wasn't my wife's fault, it wasn't my family's fault, but I literally don't ever talk to them about the hurts and the fears and the emotions that are obviously inside of me as a human being. And so it was that point of of recognition and the tears flowed. It was the first time as an adult male at 42 that I cried and wept. And And it was at that moment, I'm like, I am one broken human being. We're, we're human. We're fallible, right? We're, we're, and it builds up and and it's, and it's hard. And, And if you don't, if you don't get it out, I mean, I, I, I cry a bunch and, and I let my yeah. emotions out and there's, it's usually comes at a moment of joy where yep. I finally feel good about something that I could release the negative energy. And I do right. it a couple of times a year. It comes at weird times. It could come in the middle of a concert. It could come with hanging out with friends. And like, I could tell when it happens with friends, those friends really care because they're not there laughing at me. They're embracing yeah. and, and, and being part right. of it. And, and it, it's, it's tough because you can't keep them bottled up inside. No. And, and, and being a, a solopreneur and an entrepreneur business owner, like the weight is heavy, heavy as a crown when you it, have it, to, when you have yeah. to, when you have to kill what you eat every single day yeah. and you're managing people and expectations and other people's livelihoods, it's heavy. It's very heavy. And, you know, for me, the idea of like, um, not having good mental health, it wasn't really a, a thing in my mind. Like, like it couldn't, it couldn't happen to me because I'm not, you know, this severely outwardly broken person. But um, when you bottle it up, you start to believe all kinds of lies. And so I mm-hmm. became an incredibly paranoid human because I just um, viewed all of their actions through this this hurt lens and hurt people hurt people. 
And so it was in that moment of realizing like, this is not the legacy I want for my company. And then I'm like, this isn't the legacy I want for my marriage or my relationship no. with my kids. Like I, this, I, I need to break this cycle. And so for me, it was in that moment, really figuring out I've done well from a business perspective and the world's definition of success, um, being a customer centric company. But what I really need to be is a people centric uh, company, a people centric husband. I know that sounds weird, but a people centric dad, like mm-hmm. the, these are humans. And guess what? Showing up strong and confident every day, all it does is it make everyone around me feel like they're unneeded. And when people feel like they're unneeded in your life, they, they really can't take care of you the way that you're desperate. I was desperate for somebody to take care of me. I'm just a little kid inside and I just wanted somebody to take care of me because it's exhausting taking care of everyone all the time. But I never gave him a chance because here's Mr. Strong. Here's Mr. Exactly. Confident, larger than life and, personality. They had no space. And it's this feeling uh, I'm sure you could relate to it. It's like I can never take my foot off the gas. That's right. I can, <clears throat> the second I took it, my foot off the gas, the entire machine stops. That's right. I mean, I could it's potentially slow down me. at times, but if I don't, slow, if I slow down, then I'm, then it's going to be a, a flywheel of fail, right? Like but I have to it. keep it going. So you have yep. to find these moments of clarity. You have to find these moments to to relax and 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 unwind. And 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 how did this epiphany translate into the way you started to to build and manage your business moving forward? Yeah. So it really helped me understand. Like I need to become um, really employee centric, and I realized that I'm the glass ceiling. Like um, the organization, I am the organization and I keep everyone where they are because I I try to protect them. So I I really had to pivot away from being responsible for people and being responsible to people. Um, And so it took me about a year to kind of test the waters of vulnerability. And so I remember the very first time that I'm driving uh, down the road and and a relatively new employee I, they could tell I'm I'm not right, and I'm still. By the way, again, this wasn't this moment of tears, and then all of a sudden I'm this new, new dude. It was like a 12 month uh, process, and about three months into it, <clears throat> she's like, "Hey, how are you doing?" And I'm like, "I'm fine." Well, fine, good, and okay are my favorite responses because <laughs> I don't have to answer anything. And so she pressed. She's like, "Well, it seems like you're kind of off. You know what? What's happening? What's you know? Is there anything that you know we want to talk about?" We finally get to the school district where we're, we're stopping off on training her on, on sales. And uh, we get there and, and, and she looks at me. Well, she asked me one more time. She's like, you know, are you sure you're okay? And I get out of the car and I looked at her and I'm like, no, I'm not okay. And all she did was like, I'm so sorry. And then we had to, then we had to go into the school district and, and do our spiel. And it was baby steps. And really, that's what it took. It took me to test the waters. I'm like, holy crap, this person didn't just run away screaming. She leaned in and I'm like, that's not what I was expecting. I was expecting for people to flee thinking this is this weak, emotionally unstable, again, the lies that we tell ourselves. And the reality was, no, they stepped up and into um, who I needed them to be in ways I could I could have never imagined. That's tremendous. And, 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 and I applaud, appreciate your vulnerability and, and, and sharing it because I think the more we share and talk about that, it's okay to not be okay. And we take yeah. down this facade, especially with male bravado, machismo, and this kind of old patriarch version of, of leadership and father, what it means to be a father and a dad and a business leader. It changes yeah. everything. I mean, we're living in a whole new world and it's healthier. 
It's healthier to express it. And showing sign, it's not a sign of weakness to ask for help. No. No, in fact, it's a it's an act of strength. And so that's really where, um, after that year of really pivoting into being employee-centric, um, it went well beyond that. It went into, for me to understand, like I wield power being the owner. Um, and so um, w- what was I going to do to encourage my people to step up and into <clears throat> higher levels of responsibility? Well, w- without just abandoning them. And so what I did is I really kind of focused on this idea of I'm going to trade in every meeting, in every conversation. I'm going to make a trade. I'm going to trade away my power for their greatness. And I really started to define what that greatness was, which are really about soft skills. It's about kindness, compassion, loyalty, patience, faithfulness, all these things, dedication, hard work. I wanted to trade my power for their greatness. And when I did that, they rose up in ways that I could never have imagined. Can you give us an example of that? What, what, what would that, let's do a hypothetical because I want to yeah. understand how that would work in real life. Yeah. So there'd be a meeting, for instance, we'll be talking about um, solving a problem. Well, you know, strong, confident Chris comes in and he's like, uh, and also an incredibly fast processor um, was raised by parents who taught me how to critically think. And so here's the problem, work through it. I, I was always the first to speak. Well, then when um, you have a, a list of solutions on the board, the one that is um, written by my name always seems to win. Mm. And it's probably not the best idea. So then I had to kind of uh, pull the, the Simon Sinek, which was be the last to speak. And that's me trading my power, the unspoken power um, for their greatness. And I would then no longer solve problems, but kind of tease out of them uh, solutions to problems. Okay. Taking mental notes here. I'm taking mental notes here. So let's, I want to keep this moving here. What was the decision to move on from that business into the next yeah, phase? So, yeah. So in, in 2018, 2019. So from the time I switched from being client centric to employee centric um, was about a three year period. Uh, so four years, great success, but then switched to being employee. Um, and then my company tripled in size. So all of a sudden this glass ceiling broke, people rose up took it to heights and levels I never could have imagined. Um, so in 2018, uh, at the latter part of 18 into 19, started to pull money out, capital out of that business because we were so successful to launch my venture capital firm to figure out kind of new um, means or, or other ways that we could employ the community, which is my heartbeat as an entrepreneur is to provide um, really fulfilling employment and so we just started pulling money out uh, to launch in uh, several businesses, organically bootstrapped businesses uh, that we started uh, in 2019 uh, to also diversify my holdings. Um, and that's kind of what kind of we leveraged into uh, this next phase. Tremendous. And, and that's definitely a signal of success internally, right? Like you had to think, all right, this is a sign of success where I've gotten to a point and built this business up where I could take money out of it, this business. That business is still profiting and doing well. And now start to empower and help others build. That's like right. That has to be yeah. a huge green flag for you to raise. It's huge. Um, and I would say that the, the one thing I love is that I was taught early on uh, from an accountant, um, the, the idea of um, what it meant to be having a wealthy mindset. And so he just taught me like a poor person's mindset is to go buy, use their money to buy trinkets. Uh, the middle class mindset is to go take their money and go buy uh, toys. And then the wealthy mindset is to take their money and, and go make more money with it. And so I'm so thankful that he taught me that in my That's 20s. Massive. So then when we started pulling capital out, instead of buying boats and, and RVs and 
second homes and so on. That's we pivoted right into uh, these other businesses that we that we bootstrapped and, and built from the ground up. How do you define community? Because it's different for everybody. How do you yeah, define and what is your community? Yeah, community is a is an ambiguous term that is used, like you said, in so many yeah. different ways. But for me, it's really um, the people that we surround ourselves that we allow to speak truth into our lives. In fact, you know, June being kind of this focus on men's mental health, mental health uh, to me is just believing a lie about yourself. Uh, at some level, there's a lie and you believe it and then you act on that belief. Whereas community can help offset that lie. The more vulnerable we are as leaders, as as dads, as husbands, the more we expose ourselves in that real community to real truth. So it's about building trust with people and then letting them speak truth into who we actually are and what our actual value is. I love it. And and that leads logically into faith-based investing. What, what does that mean for folks out there? I mean, I should, let me rephrase that. It means yeah. something different to everybody. What does faith-based investing mean to you? So faith-based for me is taking the basics of my faith and then working with others of a like faith and then saying, hey, let's partner together because we've already established at least one level or layer of trust. Common value. Because we, yeah, because we have this value system that's aligned. And we can move forward faster together than alone. How do you, how do you manage Matt, Matt, and how do you manage that in a world that can be very secular without intruding on the beliefs of others? Yeah, I, so I love this question. The reality is, my faith is mine. Um, it is not here to judge others. Uh, the The reality is, um, I don't know everything. Um, I know that's shocking, but I don't. So I, I only have my experience. Same here, man. <laughs> and so because of that, I, I can't hold this, <clears throat> this uh, God complex that says, okay, well, I know the, the best faith for everyone. I know what's best for me and it, for and it speaks mm -hmm. truth into who I am and how I show up. But at the end of the day, um, you know, uh, you know, a, a pre, a big, big part of my faith is that, you know, uh, work of Jesus. But it's so funny, this idea that God, God didn't send Jesus into the world to condemn the world. So why are you? <laughs> I, I wish I be yeah. right. Like it's be curious, not judgmental, right? Yeah. Like if you want to quote Ted Lasso, right? Um, exactly. Be, be, be curious, be, be, yeah. be curious about be ever being, learning. I mean, I think, I think the, 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 and talk about soft skills before Chris, like inquisitive. I think it That's being right. inquisitive is such a massive, it's massive huge. trait to have and to under, want to understand people and not listen. We're all guilty of judgment. We're all human. Like, please, we're all yeah. biases. Right. But that's right. To want to understand people where that where are you coming from with that opinion? Where are you coming from? Where Where, where is yeah. that based on? And being OK with people have different different opinions to, to some that's extent a there. Core, it's a core component of uh, being employee centric. I mean, mm -hmm. if if your worldview is right and that makes everyone else's wrong. And that's just a terrible way to live. Um, my worldview is just mine today. I hope mine tomorrow is expanded because I'm curious because I'm a learner and I, and I do want to understand people. It's what gives them value and understanding their value. It's critical. hundred percent. So let's talk about um, new book coming out October 17th, uh, lead discovering the heart of authentic leadership. Do we really need another book on leadership, Chris? <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, if I walk into any airport, there's, yeah. there's a million of them there. There's a million of them. Tell us about your book. Why, why is it, it going to be different and who's it for? Yeah. So the book itself is kind of a memoir of my leadership journey. And so if nothing else, it was a cathartic process of <laughs> putting down in paper 
um, my journey. However, I do feel like it's a lot of, of uh, uh, especially maybe men my age, but our journey and what we've been taught about leadership and really redefining what leadership looks like. I also say this, I am not a thought leader. Uh, people love to use that term. I'm an action leader. Uh, ah, I, don't, I don't do, yeah, I don't do any, I don't think about, maybe I should think more. I don't think about <laughs> things as much. I, I'm right. a doer. And so the book itself is, is really written for people who want to take actual steps. They, 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 they want to do things maybe a little differently. Maybe they find themselves in a similar situation that I found myself in uh, and want to take steps to get out of that uh, scenario. So that's really what the book uh, is for. I want to go back to, you mentioned the word cathartic. What, what did you learn about yourself through the process of writing the book? Man, I learned that uh, I still have deep hurts, like from childhood. And even saying that out loud is like uh, cringy to me because I, I just, again, the way I was raised is just, you just don't talk about these things. Or, or the people who do, I look at as weak. And, and it's, I'm ashamed um, because it's so needed. Um, these things are, are necessary to talk about and expose Again, if nothing else, it, it allows truth to, to rise up. It's instead of a lifetime of lies uh, that I've been telling myself. You know, I, I grew up, uh, again, with amazing parents, but I'd still look in the mirror at this chubby middle school kid. Well, guess what? That kid's still in the mirror. I still look at that kid in the mirror, and I have to, I have to demand that that is not who shows up at work today. Uh, this, this chubby, uh, floundering, uh, school-hating kid is still the guy who shows up um, unless I'm able to understand the truth of who I am today versus who I was uh, in middle school. Where does your confidence come from today? It comes from the, the community of people around me, uh, uh, letting my wife and my kids uh, and my employees and my coworkers speak that truth into me. And that comes uh, out of my vulnerability. So when I'm feeling down, when I'm feeling like I can't do it, and they speak confidence back into who I am as a human being, it's, it's, it's we, my whole world. We need that. And sometimes we need those positive affirmations and it's not to boost the ego. It's just to remind no. ourselves that we've been successful in the past. We've been, we're going to be successful and we have our moments. How, how do you, how do you define success these days in your life, Chris? Um, I, I define it around significance. And so the reality for me is significance is something that nobody can take away from me. Even when I'm 85 years old, I can be kind to another human. And mm -hmm. that makes me significant. Oh, and so I've I just defined that. things so differently now uh, than I used to. That's tremendous. Let's bring, let's bring it home here. Um, what, what is that piece of advice, that single piece of advice that you've received in your life that you repeat every day, a mantra? It could be something that you deeply believe in that, that keeps you focused. The number one thing for me is to fight against what brought me to loneliness and what brought me to loneliness is is not exposing those deep hurts and fears uh, to the people around me so the advice i would give is um uh, let people be your biggest cheerleaders um don't let shame and guilt and kind of a false narrative of what it means uh to be uh, a professional uh fool you into thinking that there's something better out there and you're just missing the boat. What's yeah. better is to be <clears throat> significant. I love it, man. And Chris, I'm, I, I rarely ask this question anymore, but what, what is your superpower, right? Like what is this superpower that you have that makes you who you are? I, I would say a combination of uh, determination and enthusiasm. 
you know, people say all the time, I have this amazing ability to galvanize a whole group of people toward a common goal. Um, and so that's really what I embrace now is as my superpowers to kind of move people in a, in a, in this exact same direction. Yeah, that's tremendous. And I, and I, and I touched on it earlier, but I'm going to bring it home because I've asked this question to wrap up 285 plus shows, but you know, you look back on those dark times that you've had multiple times and you need to dig down deep and harness that inner tenacity. Yeah. That's the word I'm feeling here, Chris. And on the flip side, I could tell from this conversation how much gratitude you have for the life you've yeah. created, the family you created, this business you created, how much you've helped and empower others to be their their best self. Chris yeah. Maroff, what is your compass? What is your beacon? What is your North Star in life? Uh, that's my faith. So it does. I, mean, I knew the answer me. to that one. Sorry. Yeah. It, it <laughs> keeps me grounded. I saw that one coming. <laughs> it keeps me grounded. Um, and, I didn't mean to and cut focused. you off. <laughs> yep. Nope. No, that's, that's it. That's what it does. It, it helps me understand, again, uh, a framework. Um, nothing more, nothing less, but a framework of, of how I can live um, and how I can serve others. I love it. And, it, and it's about that beacon and and keeping that light. And, and I know for me right now, like, you know, going through some some tough times, like you have to have that lighthouse you to do. guide you through. You have to have that North Star where you could look up and say, I'm still going down the right path. I still That's have something right. to keep me focused. Chris, I appreciate you um, coming on here and, and just being so open and vulnerable. I mean, we don't know each other. Yeah. And I think this is a great example of how, and I, I find a lot for myself, too, of having conversations with other men. And, and and leading by example and saying it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to be open and it's That's okay right. to share um, your emotions. Um, everyone, please check out chrismaroff.com. His book is coming out October 17th. Uh, we will link it up in the show notes when this show drops. Where else could folks find you? Where could they connect? Where could they learn more? Yeah, so dcxcommunity.com is a great way to connect. And then also for the listeners, uh, for your listeners, we're offering a 15% discount. Uh, DCXUnity is the is the a code that they can use, promo code for our uh, conference that's coming up in October. Uh, Pat Lencioni is going to be there. Tim Tebow is going to be there. Timmy Tebow. Um, yeah, we are so excited. That'll be in Austin, Texas. But we're going to give a 15% discount for anybody who wants to buy a live stream ticket. Uh, DCX Unity is the promo code. Awesome. And we'll link that up in the show notes. Chris, I appreciate you. Thank you for joining me. This has been a fantastic show. Everyone out there, if this show resonated with you, sharing means caring. It goes a long way. Leave a review. A rating. We certainly appreciate it. Remember, you can find out more and follow all of our episodes and social media at thepodcast.com. We'll link you up there. Remember, be good to yourself and be better to others. Look out for one another. Take care and catch us next week for another great episode of The Podcast. Take care, everybody. Wisdom is forever, but for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode soon, jam-packed with more incredible humans. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and sharing. To join the conversation, search The Pausecast on LinkedIn. And to catch up on past episodes and more info, please visit www.thepausecast.com. <laughs>